Welcome to Pilot Boys episode 108. Today we are talking about the great win from Ohio State over Purdue and the rest of the college football landscape. And we are going to dive into a deep dive today about accountability. Now we got a, a little bit of a special episode for you guys coming out soon as well. We did an interview and uh, it was with a real Abhinav, a social media personality who speaks on um Actually, a lot of really interesting topics about improving yourself and uh, even weed addiction, which is not commonly spoken about. So strap yourself in, stay tuned. We got an exciting episode for you guys today. Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. Another college football sprint. Zach, we had a, a hell of a time beating Nebraska this weekend. We'll get into that. And we'll get into more. It's going to be an exciting stretch run for Ohio State. Now it seems like even the Purdue game is going to be more of a challenge than we initially oh thought. God. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, my God. So well, you, just, you just can't get an easy week, right? Yeah. <laughs> After Purdue this weekend, I was shocked, man. Purdue has it in them. They are always a spoiler. Giant killers, man. They're, they are the giant killers. It's, it's, I mean, it, like forever. It's like, even if they're awful, you're like, mm, I don't know. Number two versus uh, the one in seven Purdue team. I don't know yet. I don't know who's going to win that game. <laughs> they got a great fan base, man. And I still remember that kicker who kicked that like 60 yard field goal that broke my heart many years ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, let, let's talk about this Nebraska game. Of course, the Ohio State Twitter verse, verse was up in arms about uh, us playing a team like Nebraska so closely. But if you do actually follow college football and you look beyond Nebraska's record, they have not had a game really that they've been blown out yet this year. No. Um, and it's hard to see progress that's outside of wins and losses. But I see a much better Nebraska team this year than in years past. It's looking more and more like a Nebraska football team. Now, with that said, it seems like every quarterback that we play and every team with a decent receiver has career days against us. And that seems to be a little bit of a problem. There. Oh, well, it's it's a really big problem when you see who's coming into town next weekend um, because it's it's the best receiver that Ohio State's going to face uh, certainly in the regular season, but uh, uh, David Bell is, I mean, he's hes absolutely cleaned house against the number two team and the number three team uh, at that time in the country. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely problematic. But um, as far as the Nebraska game, I mean, honestly, the, the what really happened was, I mean, C.J. Stroud missed a couple throws, which everyone freaks out about. Ryan Day abandoned the run, and he here's why he abandoned the run. And this is going to be the first time, I think, in the history of our our uh, relationship, V, even pre-Partha. You know, you have you have B.C. and A.D. This is pre-Partha. This is the first time that that your show is going to come out before my show uh, because I was I took a mental health day on Tuesday. So I will get I'll tell you exactly what happened. Right. Ohio State's offensive line could not adjust their ID system in the run game, right? Which, when you run a run play, yep. you have to ID someone, right? That's the, the the there's a number of ways to do it. Ohio State does it two different ways, but either way, you have to ID someone, and that tells everyone else who to block, right? It's basically like 
you say, all right, this is the guy that I'm working to. That tells everyone else who they should work to. Well, the problem is those people move, right? <clears throat> and for some reason, since Greg Sterawa came to Ohio State, they've had the biggest problem in the world with changing IDs on the fly with movement, right? Like Ohio State ran a number of plays where they motioned guys and ran the ball. Well, when you motion that picture for the offensive line, you got to think about it. They have like a minimal picture of the defense. They don't see sideline to sideline like we do as fans. Yeah. They see that little box picture. Well, that picture changes because of motion, right? Mm -hmm. And they, they screwed it up entirely. We used to have a term for it. It was called ad, where it told the offensive line there's going to be motion. So you think that's the ID, but it's not going to be. Moral of the story was they couldn't ID anybody right. They were they were IDing backwards when they should have been forwards. It was a nightmare. And so that's they rushed for three yards of carry, couldn't run the ball. And then Ryan, instead of fixing the problem, just was like, eh, fuck it. Let's just throw it 54 <laughs> times. And it's like, that's eh, not exactly the formula. You don't have uh, even Justin Fields. I mean, CJ's a good player, but he is not a polished vet that is a dominant quarterback. So it was unfortunate offensively uh it didn't work out and they couldn't get it fixed but they found a way to win a game and like you said nebraska is their average loss right now is five and a half points like this is not a team that is a bad three and six or three and seven team it is a team that just has not found a way to win those games you know down the home stretch that's that's what it is and that's why scott frost just got it i mean he he's got retained he's not going to get fired at three and seven because everyone knows they're on the brink. Like, that is a team that's dangerous in a one-game scenario. Absolutely. And if you look at Nebraska's losses, I mean, they played tough teams all season. You know, they lost to Oklahoma. They lost to Michigan State. They lost to Michigan. They lost to Ohio State, right? Like, these are quality losses. They don't really indicate that this is a true 3-7 and seven program. This is oh. a, a, a much better team than the record would show. And I think that's <laughs> the thing with, you know, Ohio State, Twitterverse. Well, and, and you know, the other thing is college football is a narrative based world yeah. and, and it, it all starts with one glimpse, right? Like CJ Stroud struggled early. So everyone was like, Oh, Ohio state stinks. Like they're not going to repeat, right? They, they're, they're not going to be back in the playoffs. It's like, no, he got better. So now here we are no different than Nebraska. They lost an awful game to Illinois week one. And after that, it didn't matter what they did. Everyone's like, yeah, but they lost to Illinois. Like they don't count. Yep. And, and and the thing about college football that's unique is the is is because one loss is such a big deal if you're trying to get into the into the playoff, there's like this this jaded reality that people come to and they don't understand that once you get into November, you get into the heart of any conference schedule, anything can happen. And the importance of just getting a win. And I thought it was ironic um that we saw as Ohio State fans, what happened to Michigan State and what could happen if in any game you 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 take your eye off the ball or a team shows up and plays. You can lose in any given week. So I think fans need to stop sometimes thinking only about margin of victory and appreciate the fact that in a rough game that everything didn't work, we got out of there with a win. Um, and, and that's something I think that's lost on a lot of Ohio State fans and generally a lot of the top program fans is appreciating every win, regardless of the margin of victory. Well, you know, everybody wants style points, right? I mean, they, Ohio State beat a, a, 
who was a three and six team at the time by nine points. Let's not forget Alabama beat a, a four and five team by six points. So uh, you you got to appreciate the wins. You you got to stay, I guess, stay level headed about it. But ultimately, Ohio State fans are a little scorned. We don't have the SEC bias. Like we need style points to an extent, right? Like we don't want to get left out of the party, right? <laughs> whether no matter what, like whether a win's a win, it's it, you know you got to take it, at, you know, at, at face value. Like the reality is, Ohio State does not have the luxury that an SEC team has. They need a little bit of style points to make sure that they make it to the dance. I also can't believe that Oregon struggle against you know a very similar team in Washington and and they you know stay jumping us in the ranking. Well, oh my gosh, you be. Partha, Partha, you're, we're going to need to extend the show if you want to go down this path because the fact that the fact that Michigan, Michigan State are ranked the way they are after the rankings came out, Michigan is ahead of Michigan State, and literally two weeks ago, Michigan State beat Michigan. It's 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 atrocious that that happened, and if you want to say that that Michigan looks better today, I guess, or or the losses, someone has a better loss than Ohio State has a much better loss than than Oregon. There's no re. Those two just show the bias of the committee. There's no way you can tell me they're not biased against Ohio State because if they held the same evaluation card, right? Like you get report cards in school. Like if they had the same uh, syllabus and same criteria for all teams, there's no either, either Michigan State would be ahead of Michigan or Ohio State would be ahead of Oregon. One of the two would have to be true if it was consistently fair. Yes. Yes. And and you know what's interesting, Zach, is when they came out with the initial rankings, um, although I didn't understand Alabama at number two, I looked at it and said, look, they, they got more right than wrong. They put Oklahoma, which we've talked about all year, their record is is elevating what how good they actually are. They ranked them at number eight. I didn't mind them putting Oregon at four because they did beat us. Right. The, and they, right. You know, and and they did lose to Stanford, which isn't a, isn't the worst loss. David Shaw is good for an upset victory every year, no matter how good Stanford is or isn't. Um, yeah. But then they turn around and 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 you're sitting here defending the committee and saying, "Wow, they they really were paying attention." They come out this week, and you see the bullshit that's going on, and you're just like, "Okay, what 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 did you guys lose track of in the last week?" Well, it, it, I think the biggest, and here's what people won't talk about enough, and I don't know if anyone's going to talk about it, but it's what pisses me off more than anything, right? The six and three teams, that's what bothers me, right? Purdue is ranked behind Wisconsin and Auburn, which is a, tr I mean, that's an abomination, uh, but it's, people will talk about that because Purdue had two huge wins against, at the time, the number two and number three team in the country. The one that just chaps my ass and throws me off the deep end is Penn State is six and three and unranked. Yeah, that makes no sense. Yeah. Wisconsin and Auburn are six and three and ranked in the top 15, and Penn State beat both of them. Yeah. They yeah. beat both of them. Yeah. Well, and Penn State just, you know, you get, you got to feel for them sometimes. They, they do get the short end of the state. Well, it's, it comes down to this, this, this Big Ten uh, situation, and, and it leads into, we're ranked number four now, but imagine if this situation, we're going to have to beat Purdue, 
Michigan State, Michigan, and probably a ranked opponent in the Big Ten Championship. But yet, they're not giving the Big Ten the respect that they rightfully deserve this year of being the most competitive conference in college football. No, they never will. They never will. It's it's like, and, and you know what? We talked about it. I talked about it on my show. Um, the Big Ten East is the best conference or the best division in college football. Um, and it's, I don't know that it's close this year. Usually there's a real conversation. And usually the Big Ten is second fiddle to the SEC, one of the divisions. But this year, it's not even close. I mean, the Big Ten is the best conference in college football. It just is. I mean, there's no other rhyme or reason or, or way about it. But the the bias is what kills you, right? Is is because ESPN has direct money ties to <clears throat> to the SEC, and so you're going to see that, right? Auburn is going to be ranked ahead of Wisconsin, Purdue, and Penn State, and Penn State beat them. Like Purdue has beaten far better teams than Auburn. Like there's just no there's no logical person that could say that Purdue shouldn't be ahead of Auburn or that Penn State shouldn't be ahead of Auburn other than the fact that Fox gets Big Ten money, ESPN doesn't, and here we are. And and I did it. I don't know if you guys listened to it, but if you didn't, you should. Um, I did a whole, I mean, probably a 30-minute breakdown of the college football playoff committee, and yeah. it it reminds me of the of the White House or or, or, or any, any governmental body. It's like 13 members, and literally I could tell you right now that I think four of them have a chance they're not. I, I don't know that they are, but they have a chance to be competent enough to be on that committee. Yeah, four yeah. of thirteen. V. <laughs> no, it's crazy. I, I mean, all of these Big Ten teams should be ranked above teams like NC State, Ole Miss, BYU. Are you kidding me? Two loss BYU is fourteen above Wisconsin, Purdue, and Iowa. The the only thing that and they're Penn doing, State. the only reason, and this is what they'll counter with is. Well, Michigan and Michigan State are ranked six and seven. And it's like, yes, but they've earned those rankings with how they've played, right? Right. They haven't had bad losses. They've been competitive in every game. And the only thing the committee seems to be getting right is telling Oklahoma to fuck off. You guys aren't good. (laughs) Right. I I mean, I could go on and on. I I literally, you guys struck a nerve. It would be like, it would be like Partha has his 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 board of directors for Lasso and he puts a stripper on the, the board and that stripper is going to make decisions for his company like literally impact his company but you know what she looks nice at the at the press conference so she's going to be on the board it's like what no no one would ever do that oh they're doing it in college football ideas that like not even joking <laughs> eerily similar <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess i, I should have researched the the board of, of lasso before i said that Wait, you don't you don't have pole assassin on on, on the board, do you? The, the, the stripper with the monkey. Like, I mean, that's that's exactly what it is, and it's crazy how that can determine the outcome of of the entire season for these programs. There's billions so- of dollars, like kids' careers. You think of I, I I told you, you don't 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 send me down this black hole. Like Ezekiel Elliott, right now is who he is because we made the playoffs and the committee decided to put us in, right? Like, if we didn't make that playoff, Cardale Jones is not Cardale Jones. Ezekiel Elliott is not Ezekiel Elliott. Like, none of that happens for those kids, and that's what matters, right? That doesn't get grafted as highly as he does. No, I mean, and the kid's life, I'm not saying, I mean, he's obviously going to be still be a good player, but he, he probably is not a top-five pick. He's probably not, you know, an instant millionaire. Like, it's just, it's crazy that 
that a CEO of an energy company is on this board that has no football background, and he has a vote on a, where the team where where a team is ranked. Like who? Why? Yeah, money talks, man. Yeah. Money talks, and, and yep. it's not just the it's not just the money. It's just a matter of of like you said, um, Zach is that they're not even. It's very clear that they're not even trying to make it look like we're hiring qualified people so, so you don't have qualified people you say okay this is clearly a racket yeah <laughs> so so i have i have a conspiracy and 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 i've been known to, to have conspiracies but but most of the time my conspiracies prove to be not that crazy um here's my conspiracy because it all comes down to money right money is the root of all of this yeah i believe that they put together this committee of degenerates <laughs> for one for one reason right because they want the playoff expanded they want this year to be a shit show they want they want people to be complaining and like livid so that after this year everyone is like ludicrous we have to expand i don't care uh, we need to have more games and the the, the ncaa and the college football playoff committee are going to be sitting there the actual smart people behind the scenes that are not no one knows about are going to be sitting there like yes you bought into our our whole facade. Yeah. We put all these people on a committee to make this pure chaos so that next year or two years from now, we can have instead of four games, we'll have eight or 12 games and we'll make millions more. Yeah, that's a good theory. And if you look at the top eight, I mean, to your point, Zach, you've got Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State in the top four right now. Oregon does not deserve to be there. Let's just, I'm just going to say it. Then you have Cincinnati, you have Michigan, Michigan State, and Oklahoma in your five through eight. All eight of those teams would be equally viable for these spots, given how they've played. Right. And all they want is they want Oklahoma fans and Cincinnati and, and, and basically all of group of five to be throwing a fit. Because then if Oklahoma doesn't make it and Cincinnati doesn't make it, they will have so much momentum to expand the playoffs. They'll make millions. And part of the part of the motivation for Oklahoma, too, and this is lurking in the background, is that they're in the Big 12 currently. Oh yeah. oh yeah! Oh yeah! DC. Oh my God, bro! If, if this was three years from now, Oklahoma would be number one. Yeah, they're they're, they're shitting on the Big Twelve right now. Oh, on, for sure. Intentionally, um, shitting on them, right? So yeah. I understand that Oklahoma is not very good, and I would put them in that same position. But you cannot say that in any other season that they wouldn't be ranked above Michigan, Michigan State, and Cincinnati. No, just no, I mean, defeat yeah. in Oklahoma. I mean, this is absolutely true. So hey, I miss the days, and and people hated this and complained about the BCS computer system, but that's way better than the system we have in place now. I I trust, and I mean, we're, we're talking about some what's that Will Smith movie, uh, the the artificial intelligence movie. Uh, I trust computers so much more than people right now. I really do. Like, just put a formula in. Punch in, punch in the data and tell me what the computers tell me because I don't trust a soul to tell me what they think. Yeah. You know what? I mean, that's a that's an interesting thought experiment. I wonder what an AI would do if you gave it all of these records and asked it to rank the team. Maybe so I, I'm not an expert on it, but the, but they people people still have, I guess, the formula and the, and they'll do it. They'll compare like the the CFP to the what the BCS would have said this year and i don't know what it is but but i do know that when the first rankings came out uh I, I read somewhere which this you know 
who who believes what you read. But it's it, it said that the BCS would it was like eerily similar to what the people said or what the the committee voted. Um, I I don't believe that'll be true at the end because they're at the end they always pull a switcheroo, dunkaroo, and and change it up. But but it uh, I would love computer. I would love there to be just an analytic formula, right? Just you know you know who needs to decide. If let's just be honest, you know who needs to decide. Vegas. Yeah. Vegas knows more than coaches, players, media. They know more than everyone. They should Just, take the, they should take the top top handicappers that 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 work the books for these casinos and and have them be the committee. Well, here's the problem. They're probably, they, less, cro- they're probably less crooked than than the NCA people they have on set. Well, right. But or or honestly, what they need to do is tell no one. I mean, this needs to be like like the closest secret kept. Like this needs to be like like I mean, you're talking about like presidential security. Like no one can know about it. Just have the committee go in a room for eight hours, eat ridiculous food, drink, have fun, no conversation. Just enjoy yourself for eight hours so everyone thinks you're working. And literally just take the odds from Vegas and release it. Release it as the rankings. Yo, Zach, by the way, I've got the uh, simulated BCS calculation. You want to hear it? Yeah. So number one, Georgia. Number yep. two, Alabama, so no change. Number three, Cincinnati, you know, yep. which I think what we what we would have ranked. Number four, Oklahoma. Number five, Ohio State. Number six, Notre Dame. Number seven, Michigan. Number eight, Michigan State. Number nine, Oregon. Thank you. Number 10, Oklahoma State. And then there I will go further. Penn State's and 21 I'm... on that, just, just for your... Penn State's what? 21. Purdue's yeah. 24. Wisconsin is 17. Yeah. Iowa is 14. I'm done. I, I, you already sold me. I'm in. Where, where do I donate to the to 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 the fund where we make it the computers that pick? We gotta get we gotta get to a strip club. I think. Yeah, get, we gotta we gotta get pole assassin with her monkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and you know what the unfortunate reality in this this situation is is that Michigan State, Michigan, if all goes well, are probably going to have two losses. A two-loss Michigan and a two-loss Michigan State from the Big Ten versus a two-loss Alabama or any two-loss <laughs> We will see the differential in the type of bowl games that these programs get and the type of rankings that we'll see uh, change if when these teams have two losses. So I'm, I'm going to do a whole show on it after the, the conference championships and everything. And I'm going to deep dive into analytics a lot like a lot like Partha just did with the beat. I want computer rankings. I want real analytics like I want something that, you know, fucking Apple does. Right. Apple goes and gets real analytics to make decisions. That's I'm going to go get all of that. And then I'm going to look at where people decided these teams should go, because this the bowl games are supposed to be the equalizer, right, where you really find out because you will never find out. Like Penn State plays Ohio State, Michigan plays Michigan State. Like who? What conference is better? It's like I don't know. They they all every conference cannibalizes themselves. Yeah. The only way to evaluate it, because obviously football is a is a season long sport, and there's development that goes on in the season. The only way to evaluate it is bowl games, and if and what ESPN and these these money people do is they create advantageous bowl games for. They're the teams they let for SEC teams, honestly. But yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, Georgia plays Cincinnati, and it's like their opportunity for Georgia to beat down Cincinnati, even though they know Cincinnati's not quite ready for that test a year ago, but they set it up so it's like so they can shut up Cincinnati and make Georgia look great, right? They they do it every year, 
And you're like, wait a minute now. That's the fifth best team in the Big Ten playing the third best team in the SEC. That's not exactly apples to apples. Oh, but, but it, you know, the bowl games tell all. And, and so I want to I want to I'm going to break down the matchups and are they fair? And then if they are after those matchups, then we can have the argument. What's better? Big Ten, SEC. I mean, certainly the, there's the only two in contention, but um, that's when you decide it right at the end of the year. You right now, it's stupid to talk about it. It's like, I don't know. They're all playing each other. Who knows? Yeah. So let's uh, let's move it forward into what we're looking at with Purdue just to get a little bit of a deeper dive. Um, Zach, I have some of the odds up as per FanDuel. I'm going to need you to read that. I'm not the betting type. I don't know how to read that out loud. Um, the spread is, is 19 and a half. Yep. Um, and the total points is 61.5. Mm-hmm. Um, and money line OSU is minus 1,200. Right. So, so they're basically saying that, that Ohio State's going to win 40 to 20, right? Or yep. right, right around there. Yep. Um, I will tell you this, Ohio State uh, of recent has not covered the spread, and uh, I, I have no indication why they would, but but here's, so we can go down this rabbit hole if you want to. Vegas always knows, right? Yeah. There's a reason why the Browns play the Bengals, right? The Browns have looked awful, and the Bengals have looked great, but the spread was one and a half. Right? Why were why would the Bengals only be favored by one and a half in that game? The reason why is Vegas knew whether it be Odell leaving and the chemistry better, whatever. It doesn't matter how they know when they set a spread way different than you think it should be. It's because they're trying to bait you to bet it that way, right? Like pe- they wanted people to bet the Bengals because they're like one and a half. The Browns look like shit. The Bengals look great. I'm betting Bengals minus one and a half. And what happens? The Browns win. So. This is scary to me because 19 and a half points against a team that has beat the number two and number three team in the country. Like, why? Why is Ohio State minus 19 and a half? Everyone in the world is going to bet Purdue plus 19 and a half, right? Anybody who knows, right? And that's the point that I was going to make to you, Zach. A lot of casual bettors who don't really know the sport are going to look and say, number, number three, Ohio State versus Purdue, 19 and a half points. Okay, I'm going to bet it. That's the way a lot of casual bettors. When you say bet it, what does that mean? They would bet that Ohio State will win by more than yeah, they bet yeah. it because it's Ohio. But State. but I'm going to tell you, V, and don't get me wrong, I'm no gambling expert, but I've obviously we have a I have a whole gambling platform, so I've learned so much. Ohio State being minus nineteen and a half. That's that's yeah, telling me that's telling me that Vegas thinks they're going to win by twenty one or more. Yeah, be, because. There's no reason Purdue with the momentum they have now they're ranked. They just beat the Michigan State who was who was undefeated. Everything about Purdue tells you that this is it might not be a close game, but it's going to be like a 10 point game. And but, even right. yep, yep, exactly. So I I'm not going to bet it cuz Vegas when Vegas does this stuff, I'm like, "Oh, you guys win. I'm not I'm not going to lose money on this." But I'm telling you, I would not be shocked. I actually if I was going to bet, I would bet Ohio State to win by more than 19 and a half only because I feel like Vegas is betting you to bet Purdue plus 19 and a half. Yeah, that's probably what they're what they're looking for. Like they want people to think it'll be a close game. Yeah. Yeah. And you look at it. So here's what I've learned from handicappers. Like you look at over unders like when the over under is 80 in a football game, college football game. You're like, oh, my God, 80 points. There's no way that game usually has like 110 points scored. But they set it so high because they want to bait you to bet the under because they know it's going over. You know what I mean? 
it's interesting to look at it, you know, and, and getting beyond this too, like when you dig deep and you look at what handicappers look at, oh. you look at this matchup and you look at where we are as a football team. Our secondary is not played well. Purdue has a fantastic receiver and a solid passing game uh, that, that just carved up Michigan state. Uh, it, it's, it would seem to make sense that this spread would be uh, Purdue covering, right? Like, if you just look at the breakdown of right. and where their strengths and weaknesses are, Ohio State's had a struggling secondary. Purdue's strength on offense is the passing game, right? Yeah. It's And, and then the, the total is 61 and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if this game is a shootout, you know? Yeah, it very well could be. And I, I got to say, our secondary looks a lot like my secondary looked when I played V and Madden last night. <laughs> it, was, it was not pretty. It kept picking me apart on my zone defense right in the gaps. And that's all I see when I watch. Zach, I've, I've learned a lot about football over the last few years. bro. <laughs> I love it. Like, I love it. Not fair, V. You've been coached up by Zach. <laughs> <laughs> I would see his defense and adjust my plays accordingly. You know what's crazy? I, not to go on a tangent about Madden, but I play my son Madden, and I know I know football as well as anybody. I think. I mean, you know, there's certainly people that know it better than me, but I certainly know it better than my 11 year old son. I get livid, livid when I run a play against, and I see his defense. I know what it is, and I make the right read. I make the right throw, and and some nonsense happens. Like I I quit every time. I'm like, no, bro, that's ridiculous. Like I just ran smash against cover two. Your corner bit. I threw it. And your outside linebacker made the play on the corner route. Like, are you, are you, that's never happened in football. And that's <laughs> the first story we've ever heard. We need to get this on TikTok, Zach. I'm just saying, like, he, and he'll tell you, he's like, I don't, I don't like playing Madden with my dad because he gets so mad at the, at the, how the, how the algorithms of the game work. I'm like, no outs, what outside linebacker has broken up a corner route and cover two ever? Never. It's never happened. This is TikTok viral waiting. <laughs> <laughs> The dad quitting on the son. Like, I no. do every time. Now, if we want to play FIFA or NHL or something, I'll play all day because I don't know anything about those sports. But football, I can't play Madden. I can't do it. It's Man. frustrating. Certain things in Madden. I had a couple frustrating moments yesterday against you, Parker. You want to talk about some highlights I had? He I had a pick six on him. He had a pick six on me, and I freaking got a free blitzer on Baker Mayfield. Hit him as about as hard as you can hit. It was like right up the with snap. the hit stick, <laughs> right up the and the guy the just bounced off the tackle. And threw <laughs> <it>. <laughs> hey, you know, you know, my biggest problem with with, with madness, and, and this is what this is what makes me lose it, is what my son does, and this is what everyone probably does. You both probably do it, and I I don't do it because I don't I don't play the game much. But the quarterback takes the snap and just backs up forever. Yeah. Yes. And it's like yeah. that is. That is a sack every time in real football. Yeah, it is. Like, your tackle is screwed. The defensive end is going to sack you every time. Like, you can't do that. Certain players at quarterback, or for me, I was the Browns, so I had Nick Chubb. Certain plays are unbeatable in yeah. Madden. There's just angles that you can run at that nobody else can keep up with your speed. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I mean, I don't want to complain too much because I'm, you, as we we all are, we're of the era where f the f the football video games were not like they are now. So I'm not complaining. They're insanely realistic, but I I get so pissed when my son drops back 17 yards and throws a touchdown, and the DN gets blocked by the tackle. It's like that would never happen. Like 
he didn't set the depth like the like Von Miller is going to sack that guy 100% of the time. <laughs> so it <laughs> makes me furious. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Um, any other games we want to point out for this weekend, Zach, that you have your eye on? I know Michigan and Penn State are playing. Oh, man. I, you know what? I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a day behind on all my stuff, so I don't, I don't have the entire schedule, but I know um, everything's right now, everything is leading towards that, that November 20th, November 27th weekend. Um, and, and it really, that's when, when you're going to find out everything. I mean, from, not only from the fact that like things will be clearer then, but but there's a lot of huge games that weekend, and and then I think at this point, I mean, most teams, I mean, outside Ohio State has a has a ridiculous stretch, but outside of you know Ohio State, I mean, most of these teams like Alabama and teams like that, like they're gonna kind of coast through this this period, and uh and and it's all gonna come down to those conference championship matchups, and that's when you're really gonna find out. I mean, you look at some of these ranked teams, Michigan, Penn State. I actually think Michigan will lose to Penn State, which will kind of clear that picture up. Um, Oklahoma at Baylor. That's that's a legit game. I mean, Baylor's 13 in the country, um, and, and Oklahoma has to, go, has to go on the road. Here, here's the reality. You want to talk about the landscape of college football? I think Oregon. Oregon's going to have to play Utah twice. I think they lose at least one of those two games. Right? Oklahoma has to play Oklahoma State twice. I think they're going to lose at least one of those two games. Yeah. So this picture is going to be so much clearer and so much easier. And right now, all this conversation is just for entertainment because it's going to play out on the field. And we all know it could go sideways, like Alabama could beat Georgia. Uh, those two teams that I talked about, I guess they could win both games, but it's probably going to be pretty crystal clear. And it'll really be, we'll be sitting here like, these are the four teams. Like, let's move on. Well, we what we do know is that if Alabama beats Georgia, they're both going to get in. Oh, that's done. That's and done. If Alabama loses to Georgia in the championship, they might still put Alabama in. We know that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's definitely possible. I will I will give you one other hot take, and, and I'm not calling a win in this game, but I think that Georgia's biggest test to date is this weekend at Tennessee. Tennessee is playing good football. The, the quarterback they have there, and they, they they obviously they had Joe Milton, the the Michigan transfer. He was awful as as he was at Michigan, and then they made the switch. And the football they're playing right now, the Alabama game was so much closer than the score indicates. And I'm not saying Tennessee is going to win the game, but I think that you're going to learn a lot about Georgia one way or the other. Right? They're either going to shut Tennessee down and absolutely dominate, or they're not. And you're going to be like, whoa, wait a minute, Georgia's human. They are not like the Avengers. They're human. It's going to go one of those two ways. They're either the Avengers or they could very easily get toppled. But knowing, I think knowing Georgia, they're in for at least one choke game this season. They're always in for a choke game. Maybe, it's this, maybe it's this weekend. But they I, are. And, and the, the other game that is going to be funny to watch the narrative is, is Texas A&M goes to Old Miss. Uh, and Two teams and, ranked where they're at. I mean, and like, no matter what happens, they're going to champion it as like, because I think Ole Miss is, I, I mean, if I was going to pick a pick it, I would pick Ole Miss to win the game at home. Um, I really like Lane Kiffin. I like Matt Corral. And uh, so if Ole Miss wins that game, instead of Texas A&M being legit after beating Auburn, being Alabama, Texas A&M is better than we thought. It's going to be like, oh my God, Ole Miss is great. Like, it's never like, oh, Texas A&M actually sucks. It's yeah. always, oh, no, Ole Miss is great. We were wrong. It wasn't A&M. It's actually Ole Miss who's great. Yeah, and in reality, it's just like all of these teams 
Well, what the SEC has is uh, two to three dominant teams, and then everybody else just gets elevated two. because they're in the SEC. Yeah, you can't say three. They got two. I, I don't even know if two. They have one dominant team one and dominant. one other team that is relevant in the conversation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, you know, every every few years, Auburn will show up. Every few years, LSU will show up. And that's yeah. what they have. Yep. Right well, on that note, I think uh, I think I'm excited to watch some Ohio State football this weekend. Go Bucks! Uh, and uh, really interested to see what happens with the Oklahoma game as well as that Michigan Penn State game. Absolutely, it's it's, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be a good weekend of college football, which is what you should have in November, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. As as always, Zach, thanks for checking in despite the tech, technical difficulties. Yeah, I'm working on it, man. You know, football coach trying to trying to work with computers. It's never a good, good never a good deal. <laughs> it, you will figure it out like you figure everything else out, brother. So for sure. Uh, take care, man. I'm looking forward to the, the the live stream and we'll talk again next week. Appreciate you guys. All right, man. Show the pilot boys some love by getting some of our exclusive merch at shop.pilotboys.com. You're listening to the Pilot Boys Podcast. Hey, this is Partha. Not only am I a pilot boy, but I'm also the CEO of Lasso. I started Lasso to help people improve their movement on a daily basis. We design and create compression apparel that enables you to move confidently, recover safely, and ultimately be the best version of yourself. We use a patented compression technology that activates key ligaments and tendons to help you improve your proprioception, coordination, and balance on a daily basis. Lasso socks were recently ranked number one by Men's Health because of how much they improve how your body works and the overall comfort, softness, and feel of the product. We're very proud of the Lasso socks, so check them out on our website at lassogear.com or at lassogear. Undo Media is proud to be the production partner for the Pilot Boys. Storytelling is what they do. From video production, podcasting, and consulting, Undo Media's focus is on telling your story. Find out why four Emmys and hundreds of clients will back up why you should contact Undo Media for your next project. Look them up at undomedia.com. Partha, what's going on, man? That was, that was a great uh, college football segment we just did. Bro, what, uh, what I was also doing as we did that college football segment was filling up a bath for myself. Nice. It was incredible. Well, here's my question, though. Why do bathtubs take so long to fill up? Makes no sense, right? It doesn't make any sense. It feels like a huge use of water, right? Because, like, I don't shower for that long. Yeah. You got you to gotta make sure you earn those baths. Yeah, you got to. And have the patience, and have the patience to, uh, to wait for them, right? <laughs> wait for them and then execute on them when the opportunity arrives. Yes, yes. So, you know. You know Executing on an opportunity, I think it ties us nicely into uh, what we want to talk about today. And let me just, you know, readjust our view here. So we're in the clouds. You know, if you guys watch our clips, you'll understand what we're talking about. Yeah, it looks way better. Looks way better. Feels better too, honestly. Feels great. Feels yeah. great. Well, let's let's jump into this week's topic. Uh, it's a word that, again, one of these words that's said a lot. But I don't know how well people under, learn to understand the word and what it actually means, which is accountability. Um, 
And that's accountability, whether it's in your job, accountability in your personal life, accountability um, as a person, as a human being in this world, what that means um, and and how you develop that as a strength uh, versus what we see with, with many people as it being a weakness um, that people constantly have to work through and get better at. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting one because I, I can't, for the life of me, understand lack of accountability. And I think that's just because I'm a person who's highly, highly anal by by uh birth you know what i mean like i'm very yeah. like very like fixated on details and i hate when shit is even just like a little bit off i, I should have said ocd um uh, i think that accountability is an interesting one because there's a lot of reasons that uh people mess things up but if you think about it it's a very very simple kind of ask when you're asking someone to be accountable just do what you say you're gonna do right yep. that's it and i think where people mess up is what they say they're going to do they just say they're going to do a bunch of shit that they're not going to do yeah and then the second part of it is is that we all know that sometimes you can say what you're going to do and some things might go wrong i think the second part of this is people turning um molehills into mountains when things do go wrong versus continuing to take accountability finding excuses um, as to why things aren't working out versus just telling and communicating things as they happen. Hey, this happened, my bad, right? Like it's really hard for people to accept blame, but the sooner that you accept blame, that is accountability, right? If something messes up, whether it's something that's in your control or not, if it's something that you promised, you owe communication on that. You owe answers to that question. That's accountability. It's not always having the right answer. It's not always solving the problem. It's literally being available, right? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's, I, it takes me, I don't know. It takes me down a lot of different paths of thought here because I think there's a lot of different forms of seeking to word, being accountable, blah, blah, blah. But I think there's also this kind of cultural context around us where we're essentially beat up for most of the things that we make mistakes on through our upbringings. And so many of us are conditioned not to want to be vulnerable or make a mistake in front of others. And I think that's that's one of my root root causes, I think, in terms of when I see lack of accountability. It's usually people's fear of the consequence of not like spreading bad news, essentially sharing bad news. Um, and not knowing that, you know, you've got a teammate that you're sharing that with and anyone who blames bad news on a person is not a mature person. Right. But like, that's hard. It's hard when you're a kid to look at an adult and be like, oh, that's that's still a child inside there. Yeah, it is. It's tough. It's tough. And, you know, in, in one of our favorite books, The Four Agreements, there's one of the agreements is to be impeccable with your word. Right. And What does that mean to be impeccable with your word? is is fairly simple right don't say a bunch of shit that you don't make don't make promises that you can't keep take your words seriously when you say you're going to do something think through that promise before you make it and whether you're capable of delivering on that promise if not then shut the fuck up and don't say anything yeah you know <laughs> it's fairly simple we live but, in an age of attention too so like people want to say a lot of shit these days yeah, 
they do they do and and that's the key right the less is the less is more is is something that's being really lost i think in this generation of more is more 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 all the time right like the people that i like the most are the people that say the least but do the most right if your mouth is moving and your limbs aren't moving then you're <laughs> probably not getting a whole lot done of course unless you work in customer service or in a call center you guys get an excuse right that's the that's a well said thing if your mouth's moving you're not doing anything yeah <laughs> I think I'll, I there's a lot of people that could stand to hear that in this world. Essentially, shut the fuck up and start executing on your, what you said you're going to do to people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the problem that we're facing with accountability these days is their consequences are not the same for lack of accountability. So I think it's it's one of those things where if you're not paying a consistent price for not living up to your word, not doing what you're going to say it becomes a lot easier. It's like with anything else. It's like, it becomes a lot easier to not be accountable, right? Because as much as I love all the self-improvement stuff, everything that we see, there's a, there's a downside to this awakening sometimes, which is excuse making, always finding a reason, an external variable as to why you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing on a day-to-day basis. And look, we're all going through stuff. We're all dealing with stuff. Part of the process of being a mature and successful adult is knowing how to process that stuff and still doing your job. And I feel like more and more we're finding and excusing people for not doing what they're supposed to do for some external variable or reason, finding those excuses versus actually holding them accountable. Yeah. And that's what you're saying is, is, really important which is the other side of accountability which is holding people accountable so this is also a problem in our culture we don't hold people accountable we listen to their bullshit or let them act like victims and we let them get off the hook because we don't want our friends to beat themselves up but someone's going to beat themselves up because they screwed something up the question is did they screw something up they did then they need to know they screwed something up their reaction is their responsibility not yours that's a hard thing to to feel and disassociate from because when none of us want to say something that hurts somebody else. Yeah. And you, you brought up a good point about holding people accountable, accountable and the challenge that comes with that. Oftentimes the people that hold us accountable are not people we like very much. Right. And likability is another part of this process that I think people put too much weight into, right. There are certain situations, certain things that you need to say, um, that you can't worry about whether or not it has an impact on how people perceive you because it's important enough for you to hold that person accountable, right? And if in the short term there's some friction, then so be it. If, if, if you know that what you're doing is coming from a place of, hey, I'm going to hold this person accountable, if there's any negative reaction to that, that's a that's a problem that they have. It's not a problem with you. And you can't walk around on eggshells being scared to hold people accountable um, because you're worried about what their response is going to be. 100%, man. And, you know, I think that I was reflecting on this surprisingly this morning while I was journaling this exact topic. Um, I didn't call it accountability, but honesty. And I've been in a lot of situations in my life where I've called shit out. I've been the guy who said something. 
And it's lost me a lot of friends. And I was just reflecting on that. And I think what's interesting is that if you're going to hold people accountable, it doesn't make you the most popular person, you know, and you, you kind of have to accept that by holding people to a standard. And I think there's context for this, right? If you're just yeah. hanging out with somebody, you don't need to be a dick and like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you don't need to be telling people how to live. Yeah. But this is in a work-based or, yeah. or a value, value-based relationship. Right? Exactly. In, in a transactional situation, like a business situation yeah. where there's a commitment made or sports, Let's, we could even use sports, right? It's, yeah. it's always the same thing. If you say you're going to do something and you don't do it, I'm going to tell you. And if you say something false to other people, I'm going to call you out in front of those other people. I remember there was this group that um, I have some business with, and they wrote an email to a big group of us, essentially just throwing this guy under the bus that um, I felt that they took advantage of him in the way that they did a deal. The deal didn't work out. And they threw him under the bus and said that he was violating all these codes of conduct and stuff. I know the guy. He's not that type of guy. And I know these guys, and they are the type of guys that would lie about someone else, you know, breaking the rules, right? And so I replied all to that email, and I told things how they were. And it burned some bridges. But I'm an advocate of truth, and I'm an advocate of making sure that people can't continue to abuse power or status to, you know, make people ignore their mistakes or not even see them. And I think accountability is like in a society that's trending to entitlement, accountability is the only way to fight that. It is. It is. It is. And it's it's a hard journey, right? And it's a journey like everything else you have to go through. It is hard to always take with accountability comes responsibility. And sometimes you just don't want to take responsibility for everything, every action you commit, every word you say. It's it's hard, right? It's hard work. And that's why it goes back to being careful what you say and how much you say and how much you commit. You know, I think it's really easy in society in this day and age to make promises, right? And to say, I'm going to do something, it's also really easy to not do said thing, right? And move on quickly to the next person. We're so, we're connected to so many more people these days where, whereas before the digital culture, you were probably only accountable to a small group of people day to day. So if you let those people down, the consequences of that were much steeper, whether it's in a work environment, business environment whatever. But in, in this environment we live in, I feel like people have less value. Relationships have less value. So it's easier not to be accountable to another person because they're just another number, right? They're another follower. They're another somebody that you met through email. There's not that real interaction with people that makes it much harder to then be responsible to that person. Yeah. Let's talk about punctuality too, right? Like that's another form of accountability. And it's something that around LA slides a lot. I understand yeah. traffic concerns, right? And I understand social events. If if you're meeting for me for dinner, you're 15 minutes late, I don't really care. Yeah. But if you're meeting me for a business meeting and all you need to do is sit at home on your computer and log on, I give you two minutes of buffer. Yeah. That's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, 
maybe three, three, three to five minutes, right? And if it's going to be more than five, I need a text. Yeah. But I'm not, yeah. I'm not pressed within that range. You know, things happen. You know, we got to all run to the restroom and do our things. And, you know, we've all been in those situations. But if you're not able to, you know, live your life in a way that you're not drastically inconveniencing others, that's a huge problem. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's a lack of accountability. Yeah, it is. It is. And then also there's this weird cultural dynamic that I'm seeing too, which is like these social games that are played that result in lack of accountability. If somebody sends you a text, leaving it on read, not responding, I think overall your mindset should be if someone is trying to communicate with me, if I can communicate with that person at that time, let me communicate with that person. Stop playing these games. You're always going to be liked more and embraced more if you are the guy that's consistently responsive right and you don't need to worry about whether or not somebody thinks oh this guy's just waiting by my phone if somebody sends me a text typically they're going to get a response you know somebody sends me an email probably not as quick of a response but if i see that email they're going to get a response leaving things just on read and not responded to and, and that mindset is a very dangerous one as well. Yeah, yeah, that's well said. And this is something I struggle with, which is text, because I'll see a text and I don't want to send some negative response. I don't want to essentially like say, no, I'm not interested in that, or no, I don't want to, I don't have time to talk right yeah. now. I can't do that. And so I'll leave things with the blue dot or, or I'll read it and not respond and forget about it. And I mean, that's, it's kind of what you're saying. It's like, it's more respectful for me to be honest in the moment than it is to try and find a way to, make them feel good all the time and like yeah. that that's like a people pleasing trait it's not a good trait yeah it isn't it isn't it's like you you it's okay to let people down in the moment <laughs> letting that linger creates more of a problem right if, if yeah. you can't respond right now just say you can't respond right now right because what what happens by doing that is you put those question mark questions that other people need to answer in their head when it's your responsibility to answer the question and, and, and respond. It's not theirs to try to figure out why you're not responding. Yeah. You know, these are just like small little things that I think are shifting in society that I think need to shift back um, yeah. to, to help us get back to that, uh, that frame of mind. Because if you have an accountable society or you have an accountable business, forget society. If you have an accountable business, or an accountable structure around you, you're going to move forward in life. If you know what they call accountable people too? They call them cutthroat. They call them cold. It's like just focusing on, okay, did you keep your word to me? Then I will work with you again. Did you not? Okay, then I won't work with you again. That's, yeah. not, that's not cold. Yeah. That's following basic kind of rules of how we should conduct ourselves as humans. 100%. 100%. And you know this this happens in 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 the world of business and jobs like and the other thing that happens is like it's really easy to convince ourselves that something's not our fault right like when you drop the ball it seems like it's so much easier to find someone else to blame than it is to just say you know what i screwed that up because yeah. people are scared of the consequences of saying they screwed up <laughs> you know, versus understanding that you probably are going to face a 
less consequences in the long term by just consistently saying, hey, I screwed up versus constantly finding an external variable to blame because eventually you're going to get figured out versus if you're just saying, hey, I've screwed up. It's 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 hard to figure out the truth, right? It's to, to find fault in the truth. <laughs> yeah, 100 percent. It's hard to find fault in the truth, but we somehow tend to find false truths to cling to. <laughs> well said. Well said. Touche. <laughs> Touche. Uh, you know, it's 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 just one of those things that I think you and I talk about a lot, which is just like this isn't that hard of a thing, but people make it very complicated, right? It's yeah. like just do your job the, to the best of your abilities. It's no one's saying do your job perfectly. Try your hardest. Be respectful to the people that you work with and that you're talking to of their time, of their communication, and understand that you have a goal that you're trying to reach and that the best way to reach that goal is by doing all the things that I just said. And if you can do that, then you might not be a millionaire today. You might not be a millionaire tomorrow, but you will get farther than by doing things the way that you're doing them right now. Yeah. And the thing with truth is you will disappoint people. People will get upset. People will get angry. And a lot of them will send those emotions your way. But if you're holding your your own self to the highest level of accountable, then I think it's only the the most respect you could show yourself. You know, that's the most love you could show yourself is to hold yourself to a higher standard than everybody else. Yep. Yep. You know, one of the things that I do um, and I try to do very differently now is be wiser in choosing the people that I'm going to be accountable to because I know myself, if I choose to support you, you're going to get a hundred percent from me. So I have to be very careful in who I choose to be accountable to, right? That's another part of this too, is choosing your circle properly. Because if, if you truly, truly do pick the right people to be accountable to, it's a rewarding experience, right? Because yeah. you're giving and getting the same in return. And it's actually more rewarding than, than, than not being accountable. Being fully accountable to the people in your life is one of the most rewarding things that you can do for yourself. It's more rewarding to have one to three people like that than it is to have a thousand or a million people that you don't know what you're going to get from them. Yep. Yep. 100%. 100%. I think we're at our button. We are. We are. I think we had a think don't think there's much more to be said other than take responsibility, be accountable, stop lying, be <laughs> truthful, treat human beings like they're human beings, not just another digital email, and you'll be okay. Yeah. Kind, honest, forthright. That's all you need to worry about. Reactions of others are not your responsibility. Yep. And with that said, remember to stay moving and be you. You is fly. Pilot boys out. Pilot boys, we get on up. We don't fly, boys, we get up. So cool. So cool.
Depois me 